passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. First time in a long time, but back like I never left. Taking these things as it comes, you know me, I don't read ahead. Watch me burn down everything, BBE on a TV set. When I'm in control on the road, you can never really know what's up next. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Braden Harrington here with Davey Portman for Up Next, postwrestling.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever podcast app you use. And of course, twitch.tv slash upnextpodcast and youtube.com slash upnext. Hello, Twitch and YouTube room. Yes. Today is a special day. It's a one year anniversary and quite possibly a in memoriam. I, I think so. Who knew? Who of knew? NXT. 2.0 we made it we stuck with it through the through the good the bad and the ugly the definite ugly. we made it through a whole year and maybe the the reward is in sight but wow. it's a celebration today we're here to celebrate the best and the worst of nxt 2.0 what a year it was and you know we couldn't do it alone of course so we have found some some friends friends to talk about some 2.0 and davy has has compiled and and created this this roundtable 2.0 show, and well, you've 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 invited some someone you you know apparently. Yeah, I I've known. Uh, well, first, hello, Jason <laughs> Solomon, the Solomonster. Who? Oh, by the way, yeah. <laughs> who? Yeah, I've known for quite a few years, going to WrestleMania trips, uh, way before uh, I was in the podcast game. Before I even knew. Jason had a, a podcast thing and I turn up to these trips and suddenly loads of people want to want to talk to this guy wow. and uh, start listening. He's from Solomonster Sounds Off, which I believe uh, big news this week. I saw you cracked kind of top 10 wrestling podcasts, Jason. Yes, yes. Top 10 on uh, wrestling podcasts on all of Apple podcasts. Conrad is my mortal enemy. All of, You see all the Conrad shows right above me, but it's good company to be in. So it's all good. Uh, that is that's a that's a pretty great feat. But there was there's someone else who's joining us who has a great feat as well this uh, this this week with an excellent uh, video that's breaking all sorts of numbers on YouTube. We're joined by Del- Denise Salcedo. Uh, what's going on? Hey, guys, I'm so happy to be on with you guys today. I, it's crazy. Who would have thought that literally the show was going to be, uh, like you said, uh, not how the show ended up ending was what we were expecting when it came to NXT. Um, but I'm excited to talk about NXT 2.0 because I really do think there was like kind of a lot that ended up happening during that one year short period. I can't wait to talk about it. 
Yeah, we're going to get all into it. But it's NXT has been known for these kind of post-credits scenes, like the the logo comes up at the end and then yeah. Champa throws Gargano into the screen. And who knew just the a, a change of color would get such a, a big pop from from wrestling fans yesterday. Just seeing a change the paint logo. splattered go away and black and gold coming back would get such a reaction. And th- that'll fix everything. That, that'll that'll be, fix everything. It just goes back to it just goes back to the way it was. Someone was tweeting us, it's like the the timeline. Let's just pretend that one year just didn't happen and we'll go back into where we originally were. Maybe next week Kushida can come back and just sort of tap his tap his watch and right. we rewind and, <laughs> just go and it, back. nothing happened. Just go back. Yeah, just go back. Yeah. Apollo Cruz did not see that vision coming uh, yeah. in black and gold there. But yeah, uh, what a what a what a great day to to chat about some NXT. It feels like, you know, in the past week or so that NXT 2.0 is the hottest pro wrestling thing to talk about. I feel like nothing else could even get nearly as close and just hot as the brand of 2.0. Yeah, pretty pretty slow fortnight in in wrestling, I'd yeah. say. Uh, NXT 2.0 is like cleaning house and every that's the only thing people want to talk about. Yeah, there's nothing else going on. I mean, it's been it's been a very boring month in the wrestling world. So I'm glad that we have NXT to talk about because if it wasn't for NXT, I, I don't know what we would what, what would we be doing? I don't know. I would have nothing to talk about on my show. <laughs> It's true. Yeah, it has been obviously pretty crazy. Both of you uh, have been sort of uh, talking about the whole AEW and and punk stuff. Uh, uh, Denise, obviously, you have that uh, video that's just blowing up of the press conference. The one that doesn't sound like it's just Darth Vader uh, talking (laughs) the whole time. Uh, I watched that video, the official video for like a second. And I was like, wait, CM Punk doesn't sound like that. (laughs) And then I went back to my video and I was like, oh, yeah, that's how CM Punk sounds like. Well, it's funny. The definitive cut. Yeah. I was going to say, Denise, I I was watching the main video and I said, I don't remember CM Punk sounding like Barry White. And then I watched (laughs) Denise's video. I said, well, this sounds normal. At least I'll watch this version. I don't know what happened that day. Very weird. He's super happy that, that I was able to be there for that. So maybe let's let's just kick off with going back a whole year ago. It was mm-hmm. it was September 14th, 2021 that they changed from black and gold to the uh kind of Nickelodeon set as we call it and the the paint splatter 2.0. We had a uh, an index wedding and oh, yeah. uh the introduction of the likes of Bron Breaker and Von Wagner. But sort of where was your uh, fandom maybe going in to and uh just before that with nxt we did have kind of nxt quote unquote losing the wednesday night wars moving to to tuesday night uh to not compete with aew and i i did kind of sense maybe dwindling like the fans kind of dipping off a bit and kind of maybe just focusing a bit more on aew around that time before uh, the split, but did you? Uh, let's start with you, Denise. Did you kind of feel this sort of change uh, in uh, kind of presentation and philosophy? Maybe was needed. Was the thing NXT needed? Um, how disappointed were you to see the end of two point uh, Sorry, of uh, black and gold. And yeah, try, try and take yourself back to a year ago. 
Honestly, like I do agree with that statement where you said, you know, they didn't lose them Wednesday night wars, you know, for no obvious reason. And it got to the point because I remember I was watching both Dynamite and, uh, you know, NXT simultaneously during a period of time, a good period of time. I was watching them simultaneously. And I remember there were certain times where I was like, oh, this match is on. OK, good. I don't need to pay attention to NXT because, oh, I didn't care about this match or whatever. Right. But that's the thing, though, that just because there was some stuff that I didn't really care about, I still thought that there was so much other good stuff going on around the show. Did the show need a little bit of tweaking? Yeah, I did. It could have added just a little bit more of like, I would just say more like of the unpredictability factors, what I think the NXT black and gold brand needed a little bit, a little bit more of, uh, you know, spicier storylines, just really things that got you interested because for the most part, they would have like one storyline that would keep you like focused in on the show and then everything else you could have like easily tuned out for, right? So it did need, you know, some spicing up on the actual program, but by no means would I have completely dismantled the brand and change it into NXT 2.0 because the second the announcement was made for NXT 2.0 and the graphic was put out there, I mean, based on like just social media reactions, I would say like 90 to 95% kind of felt like it was just like you know, talking like smack on the brand, calling it, you know, whether like you guys said, the Nickelodeon brand or the Fruity Pebbles or whatever it is that people were calling it. And it unfortunately gave like a, uh, like a, like a kind of a stench to the brand. I don't want to, I don't know if stench is too harsh of a word, but people just did not want to go and watch, I guess you can say this like kitty version of NXT 2.0. And then I remember that the first episode of NXT 2.0 that aired, there were people that tuned in and that watched, but I think that what happened there was that it became too overwhelming with all of these new faces that were coming in and just like a lot of the talent that was still so very new that it was just a quick shift into from what the old NXT used to be into this and in terms of like my fandom for NXT 2.0 there were certain things that I liked so I don't want to bury like NXT 2.0 because there were a couple things that I did like you know watching it every week but there were things that happened on the show where I'd be like oh my god why am I watching this yeah, yeah, very often. Definitely, uh, <laughs> definitely some stuff where if you have, if you're watching it and say like a, a partner or whatever is over and kind of being like, hey, what are you watching? And you're just seeing Duke Hudson in a poker room wearing his Aladdin shiny vest. vest. You're, it's, there was definitely some head scratching moments. And I think kind of you, you, you kind of hit on it there where it was so many new characters all at once. And I think the NXT model before where you're like bleeding these characters in and out, it's, it's more digestible. So coming into a year and the, the characters that have kind of stuck around, they feel part of the furniture now and we're, we're a bit more comfortable, but definitely those first weeks where you just have, yeah, Bron Breaker, Von Wagner, Tony D'Angelo, you'd have what Draco Anthony sipping coffee in a coffee shop for some reason. It's all of these things at once. It, it felt like you need a whole like uh family tree appendices where you can just know who everyone is to keep up with. It's very interesting that like there, there was this, you know, Wednesday night war, if you want to call it where, like you said, Denise, a lot of wrestling fans were choosing like, okay, I'll watch both at the same time or tonight should be a good one. I'll watch that one right after I watch dynamite or, or whatever. But I felt like there, something needed to happen because NXT after watching it for so long, you notice like there'd be like a crop, like after three years, someone, either wins a title in whatever division they're in and then eventually leaves and goes up and becomes a star on the main roster. And we weren't seeing that where we were just seeing NXT become this third brand. So when this, this war was lost, if you want to say that 
it felt like they were going to restart and restarting with the new class was a whole new restart of like the the whole the whole show giving it just a whole new like paint job but uh jason what what about you when the like it first kicked off with with a lot of like the changes how were you feeling about it uh not positive i i wasn't <laughs> a big fan. i wasn't a big fan of the change and when i tuned in for that first show and i saw the rainbow room i knew we were in for something very different um you know when it comes to the black and gold nxt would not be on usa network right now were it not for that period so you know, they had to build the brand up in the way they did and have the veterans on there and some of the name talents. That's what got them two hours on USA. I personally, I actually prefer the old format where it was about an hour long. You know, you were able to kind of digest everything a little bit better. I understand why they wanted to expand it. And now they have so many, you know, so much talent stockpile down there and you only have so much time. When I tuned in for that first episode, the first thing I noticed how bright it was. It was it was too bright. And I saw all the colors and it just felt very childish and it didn't feel, it felt so divorced from the old show that as a fan of that old brand, I, I was watching it going, is this even for me? Like, who is this show supposed to be for? So it took them a while to find their identity with that. I, I'm with Denise in that I don't think you needed to blow it up the way that they did. I think that you know, wanting to have younger talents on there because the main roster is getting very old. Look at the top of the card on the main roster. Riddle, Lashley. I mean, you can find a whole bunch of names that are in their 40s, Sheamus, mid-40s. So I don't have any issue with them wanting to get younger and wanting to create new stars. I think you could have had a better mix, keeping a lot of that veteran talent, moving up a Braun Breaker, putting him on TV, two, three other people. They threw so much at you at first. I couldn't keep track of who was who. So I actually found it very frustrating those first few months of the brand. Now they, they've settled down a little bit more. Uh, they're not throwing as much at you. I just think there was a better way to go about doing it. I didn't think they needed to take a, a stick of dynamite and blow the whole thing up. Uh, but I understand in their mind why they felt the need to do that, because they have to create new stars. You know, where are these stars going to come from? The thing, the thing that really hurt NXT was the pandemic. NXT was the single most exciting brand in all of WWE for a period of years, right? I mean, the, the takeover specials, nothing could touch that. When COVID happened and they couldn't be in front of those crowds anymore, it took away a lot of the energy and it, it really killed the vibe of the show. And I don't think it's really ever gotten that back. And hopefully, you know, getting out on the road a little bit more, maybe things will start to change. But that's when I first started noticing the change in NXT. You, you can't replicate that, right? It was all Triple H would come out and say, you know, we are NXT and everybody would cheer, you know, and chant NXT. All of a sudden you took the third man in the room out of the picture and it just wasn't the same. So it was, it was going to have to change. The dramatic change is not something that I would have done. I, I would have had kind of a, a, a better mix of both, but that's me. I feel as well at the time when it did change, there were all these talks of they're, they're hiring kind of body guys again and no one under the age yeah. of uh, over the age of 30 and no one yeah. under six foot and all that, which which made it you're watching this show and the likes of a Johnny Gargano, Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, um, Tommaso Ciampa, you're going, OK, you've outgrown this like you've you've graduated from school now, but you're still kind of hanging around at school but there's nowhere for you to go because you're all going, oh, what's Adam Cole going to do on a main roster? What 
cut his hair and be Keith Lee's manager. And you go, he's he's better than that. Johnny Gargano, you're going, oh, well, in Vince's eyes might be a bit small. Champa outright saying he didn't want to do main roster. So they're just floating around and you've seen some just uh, like jump ship. And you've seen the likes of Johnny Gargano, who looks like a genius right now, just having <laughs> his kid sitting out and then just chilling. But now the kind of philosophy has changed in WWE and we've got Triple H in charge. There's no reason why we can't have this kind of conveyor belt system again and have people move up and have way more faith. Watching Gargano versus Chad Gable on Monday, you go, yeah, this is how you present the guy. Just put him out there and have a good wrestling match. But you knew in the in the whole last year that wasn't going to happen. So you ended up kind of watching these guys on 2.0 and they just feel like a square peg in a round hole. Um, and you're wishing better for them. And that also kind of like, like grew that bad will within fans who followed these guys for so long. Yeah. Yeah. And and let me, let me piggyback on that because one of the reasons that NXT just wasn't as fun uh, for me to watch anymore, because there you had Vince McMahon and you had all this talent from NXT. How many NXT talents have we seen get called up and then get mishandled? They make two appearances and then they disappear. Look at Zia Lee. Zia Lee got called up. She made two appearances she was the protector and then she disappeared for six weeks and then she reappeared and said, I don't want to protect people anymore. Like they would call them up without any plan on what to do with them. And most of the time they never had a chance. I'd be watching NXT going, wait a minute, I'm, I'm dedicating two hours of my life to this show, trying to watch the, the, the stars of the future. If I'm thinking that 85% of the people on this show have no shot when they reach the main roster, why am I getting invested in them? If I know yeah. what's going to happen, if I can see into the future and it doesn't look good, why am I? Why, why should I invest in any of these people? The best thing that ever happened to 2.0 happened in July when Vince McMahon stepped down and Triple H took over. More than any cosmetic change, roster change, the best thing to happen to NXT was Triple H taking over creative on the main roster. The single best thing, because now all of a sudden I can watch the show and I can I can solo Soko is a great example of this, but you can watch the show and go. Okay, these people actually have a shot. Maybe they're not all going to get over, but at least they're going to have a shot. Triple H is going to do right by them. That to me is the biggest change. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty true. <clears throat> I would find that like NXT also. It, it felt like it took a a hit when it had this this like three years where it was super popular. Everyone remembers how great the takeovers were, and like these arenas, like New York takeover was a million dollar gate. For, for them at, in, in 2019, like they were doing really good. They were, the crowds were really hot and they had the formula, right? Like, okay, we're going to put on the real good wrestling matches that you might not be getting from your, your raw or SmackDown for you kind of hardcores who really into all this kind of stuff. And people got invested into the storylines and the really great matches. And you'd even have, you know, someone sitting in the front row or someone making a debut triple H taking people who were on the, the Indies and stuff like that. Whereas that's basically like AEW's formula. They they pre, they they use that kind of same formula. So Triple H was almost like, well, I I was doing that, and now you're doing that, and now my show with with like how you said, Jason, where all these stars are, where are they gonna where are they going to, where are they gonna end up? It it definitely needed a whole like fresh coat of paint, and then they literally took that literally. But it, it is interesting on how 
the 2.0 kind of came and, and, and happened now. And it's interesting because now with Triple H back in in charge and they do the tease of the black and gold last night with the Shawn Michaels voiceover. It's like, wow, are we really just going back to tri- like, are we just going to see lots of skulls? We're going to get Poppy back. Is this is it just going to have everything that that we liked about it right away? Like, OK, it's silly to say that. But yeah, the I mean, takeover come back. Takeover. Yeah. Are we getting takeover back? Like it's all these like little things that if you followed you're kind of like, okay, well, I, I haven't liked this year of it, but we can see where this goes now. It could it could work. I wonder what that balance is going to look like though. Like if they do do, you know, this like, you know, NXT and uh, you know, this new version of NXT with the old version of NXT, it's like, what's the balance going to look like? Cause I feel like it, given the talent that they have right now, they're not going to be putting on the same caliber work that they were doing with the original black and gold brand. So I am curious to see like how that's going to change. And like you mentioned the way that WWE was working there, uh, uh, working the way that they were bringing in talent where they were going more of like the athlete side of things. And that's the other thing too. It's like, I feel like they went to hard into only athletes no independent wrestlers this and that i was there at that meeting when triple h was discussing this and i'm thinking like oh my god like i get where they're going at and i i completely understand why they went this direction but i didn't feel like they had to completely like x out independent wrestlers either because i remember being at those tryouts and seeing the people that were being brought up and triple h saying that like 95 percent of them hadn't even gone into the ring and this was their first time so i do think that i would like to to see some of that, uh, you know, adjusted for this, uh, I guess you can say this new era of NXT that we're getting soon. I guess now they're kind of loading the deck with the NXT UK talent they're keeping on, having the likes of uh, Tyler Bate, JD McDonough, uh, etc. coming over. They're kind of taking the role now of those those veterans who can put on those takeover quality matches. And I think you've definitely got the likes of Carmelo Hayes, who's who's at that level as well. Um, so maybe they're now going to be taking the roles of that we've seen like a Kyle O'Reilly and Johnny Gargano do at the beginning of, of 2.0. Um, and I, I do feel in the last few weeks, we've definitely had some longer matches. There was a period where there was like nine, 10 matches yeah. in, in a two show. Hour show where there were just two minutes going out there and, and seeing these, these people maybe have their first or second match ever. Um, isn't that wrong? Like, I feel like you shouldn't be having your first match or your second, like a few of your first big moments on TV. And then like, if people, especially in, you know, the internet wrestling community podcasts and all that stuff, we love to like, go like, Ooh, that was, that looked bad or whatever. But like some of these people are being put on TV for like the first time ever. They're having like, like some of the first times they're ever wrestling and stepping foot in a ring. So it's almost like it feels bad being critical. Yeah. Like, Cause they're like setting the SmackDown and you yeah. go, okay, well you're on a, on a big TV show, you've been doing this for years. Yeah. I can call out if you've had a bad match. I feel like, well, it's it's the first time in a ring. It's well, it, it might not look too good. Yeah, and it's yeah. almost not, not fair. Yeah, and, and it's not fair. It's not fair to them. I mean, in a lot of ways, this really doesn't belong on national television. So they have a contract, they have they have to put it on, right? And I'm sure they're getting paid for it. So it is what it is. I mean, there's only so much you can do about it. But really, if they're going to go full on developmental, if that's the choice that they've made, at least up to now, this is not a show that belongs on USA Network. And so there's a disconnect there. You have people, like you said, you almost feel guilty criticizing them. But you know, if I'm going to sit there and watch a two-hour wrestling show and you're putting you know, whoever it is and they have never wrestled in front of a live crowd before, it's not going to end well. And what is that going to do to their confidence and 
I, again, I think I take it back to COVID and, and how it wreaked havoc on the whole developmental system because they weren't even able to run live events in Florida. So they would always have those live event loops and you'd have these shows in front of 200 people. Well, they didn't have that. So for the longest time, what were they doing? They were at the PC. They were working out. They were rolling. Rolling and practicing is not the same as getting getting your reps in front of a live crowd. Now that has started again. I know they're running some live events. I'd like to see them do more of that. And I'd like to see those people who are brand new to this because they 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 have gone pretty hard into the collegiate you know, recruiting. Uh, those are the shows where you should be putting them in front of a small crowd and, and letting them go out there and 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 have their first match that that does not belong on the television show. And just to the point that you made about the NXT UK talent, uh, I agree. I think I don't know what their NXT Europe plans are. I don't know when that's going to launch. They may just shift them back over there at that time. But the guys like Tyler Bate, Gallus, you know, J.D. McDonough, uh, pretty deadly, who I actually become you know a pretty big fan of. A lot of that talent, they've taken the place of the Johnny Garganos and the Champas and Samoa Joes and people like that. So they they can do longer matches. They're not rookies. You know, they're not developmental talent. They're already developed. Uh, and I think that's something we're going to see more of going forward. I, I think what's a shame as well, putting them out, I find wrestling fans, it's very hard to change their mind. Like if if you if you don't like someone, it... Like, I think you're starting to see it with Seamus. For the longest time, people are like, oh, I don't like Seamus. He was overpushed in 2009. And you fast forward to 2022 and people are finally going, you know, Seamus is pretty good. And I think he's been pretty good for a long time. But you have that. You see a bad match. No, they they suck. And it's, it's very hard to win people back over. And that's what's so unfortunate when you're putting everything out there. It's also, it's it started like the 2.0 pretty much it started with, Hey, everything you, everyone you liked on this show, it's like watching a, like a, a show with your main cast of characters, the actors on that show. And the first episode of the new season's like, Hey, all these old characters get out of here, get fucked. We're getting the new characters in the reboot. And you're just like, well, wait, like I liked that show. No, no, no. Reboot recast everything. And now you have to know this guy's backstory and this and this, Oh, by the way, one of them's a poker player. One of them's a demon exorcist. Like there's just like, wait, what's going on. It just like got way too crazy, way too quickly. And we always joke that it does look like a Nickelodeon TV set. And I am hoping that we kind of go away from that with like some of the changes, maybe if there is some, but I felt like they, they completely started this whole new show. And when you think, Oh, it's, it's developmental of, of like WWE, like pro wrestling, trying to explain that to like a non-fan. They go like, okay, like the minor leagues or something. And you go, yeah. And then you watch it and it's Degrassi high. You're like, well, what is this? This isn't wrestling. This isn't kind of anything. So I think this, this year of 2.0 was just stuck in this like weird time because it was uh, before Vince got kicked left essentially. So like that is just this weird pocket of time. That's like, we didn't know what we were doing. Well, like, uh, Denise, if you think we, we say that the, everything changed and got very cartoony, but really that's how the main roster has been for a long time. And maybe question is sort of how successful, let's let's not say as an entertaining TV show, but as an actual developmental brand, because maybe the previous regime did go off. It wasn't serving what the main roster wants. How do you think it, it actually acted as a feeder system for the main roster, creating what maybe Vince would would have wanted on Raw and SmackDown. So, 
I agree with you in the sense that like, you know, they were a little bit more aligned in the vision of what you may have wanted for like Raw or SmackDown. But I go back and I think about this instead, because remember when there used to be like for the original Black and Gold, uh, when there used to be call ups onto the main roster, uh, what was the reaction from the crowd when those people were called up? It was like, yes, this person was awesome on NXT. Here they are now on the main roster. I'm so excited. And now when we have like those little momentarily like this couple of call-ups that we've had we don't get the same reaction anymore from you know the nxt 2.0 talent that has been and there, granted there's been a lot less but we don't get that same reaction look at carrying cross when and granted he was part of like the you know the ending of the black and gold era and then you know uh you know he was gone by then but even then he's an example i think of somebody that like didn't get the crowd reaction that you were expecting. So in terms of like, has it been a good feeder system? I feel like it hasn't just yet because I don't think it's been anything better than what was going on previously. And maybe to to Jason's point about the pandemic, it's we haven't had those hot takeover crowds that generate that buzz of of seeing a a champion Adam, Adam Cole absolutely kill it on a takeover and then just wanting them to be on the main roster. They haven't had that for for three years. It's been studio shows with the same audience every week where it's going to be very hard. Like a, I feel that Cameron Grimes is someone who, even though he's not had that big takeover match in front of a, a Barclays Center or whatever, but he's maybe one of the few ones in this last year where I feel, and I feel he's called off a lot as well with this Gacy story, but He's somewhere I feel take that to the moon gimmick and put on the main roster. I think he could have had that reaction, but it's it's definitely lost that buzz because you haven't had those big arena shows. Exactly. And I mean, Cameron Grimes is a whole other story for me. Like, I don't know how he's still not on the main roster like that to me is like the biggest like what the hell is going on that he's not there yet? Like what is happening? He's one of the few people that not only has like the in-ring skills and all of that, but he also has like the capabilities of being a great baby face and a great heel as well. And the comedy stuff and the serious stuff, which we've recently seen him uh, tap into on NXT. And they've thrown so much rubbish at him that he's managed to make work. Still like, work. Yeah. The, the whole million dollar thing with LA Knight, when that stuff. started, we're like, Oh, is this, Where's this going? And ended up quite liking it. Even the as as much as I hated the whole poker player gimmick, which we will get into, I thought by the end, if if anyone was going to make it work, it was Cameron Grimes. And I think he did as best as anyone could do with that thing. And the actual matches at the end were were quite entertaining, even though, like, sorry, what are we fighting over here? Yeah. As as like as call-ups, that used to be a big thing of watching NXT as well. Like, oh, I wonder, you know, uh, they're gonna, is this his write-off? Is this their write-off? Are they going to the main roster? And you you want to see where they end up. But after seeing the likes of Champa show up, where it's like, okay, he's paired with the Miz, it's like right away you go, uh, like, okay, he'll make it work. And I think he was making it work. Odd, oddly enough, like I do now think Gargano has like just one of the best like call-ups just because they treated it almost like it was a big deal and so far so good uh knock on wood because he's, he's they just waited to be in toronto yeah he was just waiting yeah. until like he knew the crowd was super hot and uh but like all these other call-ups i i noticed uh what uh giovanni was on the clash vinci, show yeah. vinci yeah so he's gonna be hopefully brought up as there as well like there's definitely a few cases where uh, there's been some characters on this show that for this whole year you're like why are you here though you kind of you kind of need to graduate, and I feel like that's Legato uh, Santos, who I think is probably on his way to the main roster. 
there as well. But like now, again, with this whole Triple H running the thing, things, he's going to take care of his own. And you could probably see pretty good spots for a lot of the, the call-ups that happen uh, in the near future. I'll go to you, Jason. Is there anyone on NXT, uh, obviously like a Braun Breaker or something, but anyone that you would want to see or you could see showing up on the main roster in the next little while? Yeah, I mean, there's a whole bunch of names. I mean, Breaker, Breaker is an obvious one. Carmelo Hayes is another. Uh, just based on what they did last night, uh, it goes one of two ways. I mean, they could be clearing the way for him to be called up. I actually think that he should be going after Braun and the NXT title now that he dropped the North American title. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, Breaker, he could probably use a little bit more time down there. Carmelo Hayes, you can call him up now and and he's a star as far as I'm concerned. Uh, the Creed brothers, I, I've been very impressed by them. I'm a big fan of theirs. I'm a big fan of Solo Sokoa. I'm happy to see him doing big things now. He's going to, you know, obviously he's in a sweet spot, you know, given his family ties. But he was doing his own thing on NXT, completely independent of the Usos, and he got over. And he's he's pretty good, you know, for someone with his experience level. He actually got me to care about a Von Wagner match a few weeks ago. That's not an easy thing to do. So I've been impressed by him. I see big things, you know, in his future. Uh, I'll also throw this name out there because at first I was not impressed by what I was seeing. Tiffany Stratton. So when she first debuted, she was not very good. And she, I think, is one of these people who I'm guessing she hadn't had a match probably uh, before then. In a relatively short period of time, I don't know offhand how many months it's been. Her last few matches, she has shown noticeable improvement. I mean, it's like night and day from three or four months ago. And she's another one. She had that match, the lights out match with Wendy Chu a few weeks ago. And I'm not a big you know, fan of the Wendy Chu gimmick, but I thought they had a pretty good match. I was actually very impressed by what they did. So she's another one who a little more time down there. I wouldn't rush her up, but I think she's got big things in her future. She, In some ways, her development reminds me of someone like Bianca Belair, who is also new to this, picked it up very quickly, natural athlete, just like Stratton is. So I see big things in her future, too. But they have a bunch of names who in the next six to 12 months, I think, will be ready for that call up and they can start to, you know, find spots for them on on the roster. The SmackDown women's division is a mess. So someone like her in a few months could be a big addition to that. Tiffany Stratton's definitely someone who's been impressing us. And and I think that the stuff I like with her is she's, as you said, noticeably improving in the ring. Mm-hmm. But she is always in character. And, and that's what I noticed with a lot of the new people. It's you can see them thinking, okay, what's my next move? And it's it's the connective tissue between the moves that is missing. And I think she's someone who she's always like, chatting shit during her matches she's always pulling faces and it it keeps you engaged and i think that's something that you don't see people pick up on right away and and that's where she does seem one of the most complete people of the projects down there and to think i think she's had less than 20 matches in this yeah in this year, yeah which is it, it's like a it's like a crazy small number of matches but like you said i mean there's, there's a lot of the little things that i've noticed that she's picked up the character stuff yeah, I, I could come. Yeah, I could take or leave the character. The whole, you know, rich girl. You know, my my daddy is rich. The whole thing, Valley Girl, whatever it is that she's supposed to be doing. But she's a natural athlete, so I think people like that are going to have more of an aptitude. They're going to be able to pick up the physical side of it quicker. But the fact that she's picked up a lot of the character work too is why I would put her on my list. I think that she she's the progression the progression that she has made in the last three or four months 
has stood out to me more than anybody else in that women's division. You know, they brought in Roxanne Perez. I saw her work when she was in Ring of Honor, so I know she already came with some experience. You can see some other, you know, women on the roster, but she came from nothing in this business. And to be where she is now is very impressive. Denise, what about you? Who are some kind of new, uh, like, performance center talents that you really see succeeding in, in WWE moving up? Yeah, first and foremost, I completely agree with Tiffany Stratton. I don't think she's ready to go up to the main roster just yet, but definitely within time. And I also want to say one more thing, like the character of Tiffany Stratton is such an easy character. And there's like a million people that she can take influence from, uh, like so many movies and just like pop culture, like things that she can pull from. It's it's all there for her. Like she was like given to me like a silver platter with what she can do with the Tiffany Stratton character. But aside from that, um, you know, I feel like the Creed Brothers is definitely one. Uh, I still think like, here's the thing, though. The more that they mix it in there with other talent, like with better talent, the better they look, obviously. But for me, it's like I can't wait to see what they do when they go to the main roster, because I feel the tag team division on both Raw and SmackDown needs so much help. And I feel that Creed Brothers pretty deadly. Oh, I, I would love to see the to see pretty deadly over on the main roster. I just feel like they would add so much, so much. I already said Cameron Grimes. That's another one. And for me, like that's kind of where I'm at for the women. I would definitely go with, uh, uh, you know, clearly they're already putting toxic attractions. So I'm not even going to say them because they're pretty much already there. Um, but I do think that Elba fire is one of them that should be up on the main roster as well. I feel like now, uh, I feel like they're trying to find like, I'm wondering if she's going to be the next champion and to like have Mandy Rose leave or what they're going to do there with that. But I think Elba fire has what it takes to also be part of the main roster as well. Yeah, no, I, I, all those all those picks. I mean, Tiffany Stratton has been one of my, my favorite. I totally agree with Jason earlier how like she she didn't look that great in her first few matches. And then like like just after a year, I'm like, wow, you're probably one of my favorite acts. The Creed Brothers is my favorite like act going. You could see them. You could take or leave them with Roddy. We don't really the whole storyline for this whole year of Diamond Mine. We've seen it change in, from a million different things. I mean, Stokely, uh, we had. Tyler Rust. Rust. I mean, NXT went downhill when Tyler Rust left NXT, really. I mean, Diamond Mine's been through all these changes, and it's still ongoing. Like, the story has never been they got along, and it's it's kind of interesting. But as the just the tag team, I could see them being big stars for WWE every time they they are the highlight of of the wrestling that that is call me crazy why I like watching wrestling and their matches just always deliver and they keep getting better and I could see them being a huge tag team in the division but also we 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 think Julius man he's got everything that you would want in like a future WWE champion that guy is gets gets better on the mic he can talk week. as well yeah looks great uh has like this freakish like strength Claudio Castagnoli like strength the lifting the the two pretty deadly on his arms yesterday was was nuts um I definitely see him as a as a world champion down the line I mean this this tag team is just made for me it's what do you want a tag team of two Kurt Angles Angles. yes I do and one of them does a cannonball yeah (laughs) the doomsday cannonball thing is 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 going to be huge when they hit the butterball right he calls the butterball the butterball yeah Yeah. I mean that thing is that thing is hilarious I love it well there's Uh, one more name I I want to spit one more name at that and and again I'm not putting him up here I'm not putting him with Breaker and Carmelo and, and people like that but I've I've paid more attention to him. At first, I thought he was just okay. He's he's a big guy. They signed him for his size. We have seen 
character development from Sanga. <laughs> yes. Yes. Over the Sanga. last few months. And he, honestly, he was somebody I, I didn't see anything. It's just a big guy. I think he could be one day on the main roster, whatever they want Veer to be. He could be that guy. He came in. He was kind of the heel muscle for Grayson Waller. Now he's a baby face. He changed his attire, which was good because he was dressing like uh, Braun Strowman there for a while. And now he he changes look up. But there's something about him in the ring. I think he's very capable as, as a big guy, a strong guy. But they've been doing more vignettes with him. I mean, the yoga stuff and all that. Yoga. But keep an eye on him because I think they have something in him. It's a ways down the road, but he's kind of the wild card name I would throw out there. It- it's weird because we're so used to, oh, you're a big guy, especially like you're a big foreign guy. It's you're a yes. heel. You're a heel. You're a bad right, guy. Right. Yeah. And, and he's not that stereotypical foreign heel that we've seen so many times in this company. No, they just go, oh, actually, you're a charming, very nice man. So charming. That's your yeah. character. And it works. Like him with Ulyssa and Valentina. Yeah. Just, who'd have thought that combination would work? But it's it, it really like has. a mentor. Yeah. And that's <laughs> the thing too. Like if you were to tell me like right now, like which big guy are you like more a fan of? Like, I feel bad, but like Omaz to me, is it like really, you know, anything special? Uh, Commander Aziz, nothing special. Von Wagner, nothing special. Sangha, like he's just getting started, but how is it that three people on a podcast can agree that they all like Sangha? Think about <laughs> yeah. that. So there you go. There's something clearly there. Good guy, Sanga is, is great. Yeah. I mean, you you uh, you mentioned uh, a, a name there, Denise, of a wrestler. I'm very quite fond of Von Wagner. Von? But I feel like I like Von Wagner for the wrong reasons. It all started, and this is a great segue to maybe not so much some of the 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 actual wrestlers because we we we've kind of just uh, we we've we've said our grievances about you know some of the changes of 2.0. But I think we are all very fair on saying some of the stuff we really do like. And I think we kind of can, can agree on who the, the characters are that are really working. And, and for me, like the creeds and Carmelo, like definitely characters that I could see going really far, but there's been a lot of head scratching when, when I've watched NXT for the past yeah, it's year. It's not fun now. Yeah. Cause, right? cause you mentioned Von Wagner and I don't know if I've watched a promo from a WWE, like a vignette more than I've watched Von Wagner and Kyle O'Reilly go hang out in the woods. It had to be one of the first vignettes of, it had to be one of the first episodes of 2.0. Like Kyle. It was out there. Yeah, it was out there. (laughs) It's basically where they are clearly just pushing this guy to be tag teaming with Kyle. And then Von Wagner's a woodsman. So they go out and they're like lifting logs. And then it's like, oh, I brought my bike. He's like, you're not going to need the bike. I I would highly recommend anyone who has not seen this to go find uh, Von and Kyle hanging out in the woods. And then, This is when I knew Kyle O'Reilly was gone. This yeah, is when exactly. I knew this is the moment we knew he was, he was leaving. Yeah, we yes. knew he was leaving. And then it ends with like Vaughn being like, hey, like, here's a beer. And Kyle says, whoa, you're out there, but I'm out there too. <laughs> and it is just so weird and so bizarre, but I absolutely love it. And to stay on the topic of Vaughn, he's just had some weird things. Like he, he uses it's Vaughn Wagner's world and you're just living in it like the most unoriginal quote but when it when it comes to the wrestling he's actually not that bad but he's just so funny that if he shows up on screen i i am like just tunnel vision i have to see what this guy says cuz he 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 does make me laugh there there is a lot of that like 
ironic enjoyment with yeah, a 2. bunch 0. of these 2.0 gimmicks and maybe that's the best time to talk about your favorite gimmicks in <laughs> well, wait, I want to stay on this I want to stay on Von Wagner for a second because you mentioned head scratching <laughs> you know Davey mentioned to me he goes give some thought to what you think is, is one of the more head scratching moments of 2.0 and it's funny you brought him up because the the only name I wrote down was Von Wagner and I wrote him down because they they gave him a manager, which they had to do. Okay. He may be one of the worst promos I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> so taking Robert Stone, finding something for Stone, because Stone Stone is entertaining. It, it's it's good that they gave him a mouthpiece. So why then on most weeks when we see them pop up in the back, why do they still have Von Wagner speak? If he has a manager, he should keep his mouth shut. He should let Robert Stone do all the talking for him. And yet he still ends up saying a few words. Even just a few words, it sounds so awkward. So he's been around for, here we are, the one-year anniversary. We're talking about all the progression we've seen in some people. In the ring, I think he's he's fine. I mean, he's okay. I, I don't think, I haven't seen anything overly special. I saw these reports last year that Vince McMahon supposedly saw him as a future WrestleMania headliner. Another reason why I'm glad Vince McMahon is gone. <laughs> but, you know, I'm watching this, and here we are a year later, and verbally, I haven't seen any progression from him at all. If they're going to have the manager speak for him, let the manager speak for him and he can, you know, beat people up and throw them in the crowd. And I think if you're going to, if you're going to try to get him over the best chance he's got is doing things like that. Come Tuesday. I'm a lot. (laughs) I feel like I'm a lot meaner on this one. I'm so sorry, but I don't even get the in-ring stuff with Von Wagner. (laughs) It's just boring all around. I'm sorry. I can't get into, I can't even get into it in an ironic way in an anything way. I'm just like the second I feel so bad, but anything Von Wagner related, that's my moment where I'm like, what's going on on Twitter? Oh, let me get a drink of water, (laughs) you know, like anything else. And I feel so bad, but like, I just feel like the second that they included him in what was it like the first night when they did that fatal four way or that fatal five way? I don't even remember anymore. And they included him to get a championship. He, he, he if he would have won, he would have been champion. What? <laughs> Why? Well, that, but that it tells you terrible. that tells you how high they were on him. Yeah. And I, I'm sitting here a year later. I don't see it. Am I missing exactly. something? <laughs> Is there something? Exactly. Are they seeing something I'm not seeing? I, I don't know. I don't get it. I, I remember actually watching that four way and the fear. In, yeah, in everyone. What, it, it, Wait, puts, it puts so much stakes because you've seen it looks different. Show we we've got all these new characters, and how hard are they going to press that reset button? And are they just going to go with this guy? And I remember watching that match, being like, "Okay, oh just oh just boy. anyone. All right, you went with Champa. That's cool. That's safe. Safe." <laughs> Uh, another another like head scratching thing, and I think is definitely like the drizzling shits of wrestling this past year, which is all this stuff with Joe Gacy. But mm-hmm. I'm talking I'm not talking uh, woke Joe Gacy because that was a thing, too. I'm talking about spooky Joe Gacy, where they just just decided, hey, let's change what we've got going on with you and let's give you druids and dark lights and all the like copy paste of anything we've had with a spooky wrestler in our company and just make Braun Breaker get Nonsensical over. promos. Should we kidnap Rick Steiner? Yeah, why not? <laughs> should we should we throw Braun off this perch thing? Yeah, yeah. do it. And you know, I actually think it hurt Braun Breaker more than yeah. anything else. He he felt like he had some momentum and then as soon as he had that feud with Gacy, it's like he hit a wall. And I started to care less about him. And the best thing they could have done was just get him away from him as quickly as possible. Um, 
I'll say this. I'll be nice. And I'll say the best thing about Joe Gacy is his theme song. Yes. Yeah, it is. A banger, I like the theme yeah. song. I think I think it's a good theme song. Uh, the rest of it, you know, if we're doing buy or sell, I'm selling all of it. <laughs> I, I just think it doesn't. I know we've had Undertaker and we've had Druids and, and there are people maybe who can make it work. To me, it's just it's so it's so goofy and it just doesn't fit. I know we have all these kind of all different types of gimmicks on the show, even the Tony D'Angelo gimmick. I mean, it's, it's so it's so stereotypical, but at least it's still based in realism in some way between this and the visions that Apollo Crews has. They do some of these things on this show. It's like they throw stuff at the wall to see what sticks. This ain't sticking. <laughs> I, I just I can't I can't get behind any of the Joe Gacy stuff. It does nothing for me. And I think they could have made it work because I do want to give Joe Gacy some credit. His facials are good. His uh, he, he can tell he's passionate about what he's actually doing. So I'll give him credit on that. And I just think it just uh, it didn't make sense from the very beginning. From the very beginning, it almost felt like it wasn't clear what the purpose of the character was. And we all had like different. I, I'm pretty sure like there was one week where I felt one way about the Joe Gacy character. Then the next week, I felt a different way about it in terms of like what I thought he was doing. And And I noticed that for like an entire month, I was like, oh, well, this character's changed like 10 times. And so I do, I will give him credit though, because he does seem passionate about it, but it is something that I think they needed to have a clear vision for it from the very beginning. But in terms of like the Braun Breaker, Joe Gacy feud, I feel so bad, but they did everything wrong with Braun Breaker's reign as champion. Uh, Starting as far back as the stuff that with Dolph Ziggler, I was not a fan of that. I was not a fan of what that did for his title reign. And I was not... I'm a fan of, you know, them, you know, moving the bout back and forth. And then when he finally got the title to follow that up with the feud with Joe Gacy, I actually had that big vignette where uh, Braun Breaker went to the back and was spooked out by mirrors as one of the worst things I saw in NXT 2.0. Why is this big man, Braun Breaker, who we're supposed to be super hyped about, afraid of a bunch of mirrors like it's a fun house? That to me, I was like, I can't get on board with this. I'm out. It's where, like, you wonder how have they not learned? Because we we saw this the year before. Like, anyone who had a feud with The Fiend was worse off after it. I thought it did Seth Rollins so much damage that he's. it's taken a long time for him to recover from that feud with The Fiend. You shouldn't be having your baby faces scared yeah. of a spooky man. Like, and, and I, I didn't mind the woke stuff at the beginning. I thought, okay... They could have some fun with this, but very quickly they just went to like the Undertaker playbook. Okay, let's put some guys in hoods. Let's do yeah. some magic. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, the, the 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 woke stuff at the beginning was just stupid. I mean, it was just them trying to create a buzz and tapping into current event stuff. It wasn't going to be a long-term direction for them. So I just thought that was dumb. I, actually, I couldn't say it any better than Sean Waltman did. And Sean's buddies are the ones running NXT. And he called it the worst thing he had ever seen on a wrestling show ever. So he shows you what he thought about that. But there are ways to make something like this work. It reminds me of Waylon Mercy. I don't know how if, if you're all familiar with this, but the, the character Waylon Mercy, it was so unsettling. Danny Spivey did a great job with that character. This was back in 95. And he did such a great job with that character. And I think he could have taken it even further, but his body just was beaten to shit. So he couldn't really do anything with it. You can make a character like that work where he's unsettling. He's creepy. You can't really put your finger on why, but man, this guy makes me feel uncomfortable without going to the Druids 
and without going to the funhouse mirrors and all that kind of stuff. They just they took it way too far. And I think it's just it's one of the it is really, I think, one of the worst acts on the show. Yeah, it, it really I it's it's go away heat. It's change the channel. It's yeah. I'll do I'll look up my phone. I'll leave. The, I just I cannot stand it is especially it really started with the Braun feud because that's when it just got so silly. The dude's kidnapping his dad and all that stuff. And it just got so ridiculous. And like now he's they've got the grizzled young vets who've like changed their whole look. They who should be beefing up the main roster tag. Who, who, who should have been on the Clash <laughs> of the Castle show or whatever at this point. But like those guys are have have like had we're a pretty solid team and they could have been injected on the main roster as a great heel tag team. Instead, they're now, you know, working for the I don't know if they're woke again. I don't know what the thing is. It looks like, like they came out of a mental asylum. Like uh, I don't feel bad saying that, but that's exactly what it looks like with the, the the way that they made them all look like they look like they're just creepy. crazy yeah they like they dress like they're like gonna knock on your door and like ask you if, you know i don't know, like a, like something they're going in like some sort of cult thing again but it's just very it's just not working and i, I really dislike it and the name is funny the dyads the the, the schism, schism tree or yeah i don't know what the hell is going What's on with cults and wrestling the buttons, the yeah. Like, buttons? Everything about it has just been, definitely been my least favorite part of of two point uh, But what about uh, what about other uh, gimmicks? Because I feel like two point when it first came out, and everyone who actually watched it were like, "Whoa, there's a lot of gimmicks on this show." And I feel like we've t- we've talked about it, but basically being like, "Hey, Duke Hudson, your gimmick's going to be you're a poker." player or a poker dealer and that's just what they ran with and had vignettes where he's dealing poker then had a feud where he what he he put camera grinds through the table well, he just turned out to not be very good at yeah poker. he wasn't that's good at it anyway so it's, it's just weird that they like throw that at you and then you're like okay and then you go to the next segment and it's like and here's lash legend who's a tv host and here's her show and you're like uh, all right oh. cool and then briggs and jensen who are like oh we're cowboys who finish each other's sentences so it's just yeah. really it's just like segment to segment to segment of gimmicks. So on the the Rolodex of gimmicks, what were some some that stuck out with you guys? Uh, I'll go to you, Jason. <laughs> well, you you brought up Lash Legend, and those lashing out segments were horrible. The the talk show, the, the fake talk show that she would do in the back with the phony crowd, and I thought those were absolutely atrocious. So those were some of the worst uh, segments and vignettes I think they did. I mean, as far as gimmicks, I mentioned Wendy Chu. I mean, she's gone from one bad gimmick to another. I mean, think about what she was doing before this, right? She was the thousand-year-old lady. And a you demon. can't blame that. You're Whatever she was, a witch, a demon, whatever. And you can't blame that on 2.0 because she was doing that before 2.0. So she went from that to this. I don't know if this was an improvement or not. She's, she's you know, she's making it work in her own way, I guess. I don't care for it. Um yeah, it's weird how for a while there we kind of reverted back to the mid 90s where everybody had to have a second job. It's like these people at NXT obviously are not getting paid very well if they have to have a second job. So you mentioned Duke Hudson and all these other all these other ridiculous gimmicks. Uh, I, I'm not opposed to gimmicks like there are good gimmicks and there are bad gimmicks and some people can make them work and some can't. I just think they went so far overboard with it. Uh, there's character development and then there's whatever the hell this was. They've toned it. They've started to tone it down. I feel like a little bit, you know, you mentioned Briggs and Jensen. I call them discount APA, but (laughs) again, they, this was the gimmick they were given. They're trying to make it work. They added Fallon Henley to the act, which I think adds to the act. I think that was a smart move on their part. Um, but it still feels like they're playing a part. I don't think they've gotten to that point yet where it feels natural. 
And that's maybe part of my problem with a lot of these gimmicks. It feels like they're just playing a part and they haven't reached that level where I forget that and I can believe. A lot of them don't have that authenticity to them. And when you got rid of all, all the veterans that were on the show, guys and, and women that have been doing this for a long time, I didn't have that issue. But because these people are so young and so new and they're trying to find themselves, there's just that lack of, of authenticity there. Uh, so I think maybe that'll come with time. But yeah, the Wendy Chu gimmick and, and those Lash Legend segments I thought were, were terrible. <laughs> I think part of that as well could be to try and get something out of these people. Like you, it's like I went to drama school and studied acting and quite often you'd be given roles that are opposite to you to try and test you and stretch you. So it but almost- you were like on national television well, exactly, in 700,000 people. <laughs> exactly, that's the thing. It's like, it, that I understand that as a developmental thing, but as a TV show, you can't be doing that. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you need these gimmicks to make sense within wrestling. It's fine to be a poker player, like if that's your your hobby, but like, how does that relate to ending up having a match in the ring? We see that with Kiana James, who has some business <laughs> that I, I don't know what she does, but business things business. And, and meetings and get Jared on the phone and all that. But how does that relate to wrestling at the end of the day? And that's what majority of these gimmicks haven't really figured out. Yeah. What, what about you, Denise? What's What are some of the gimmicks that you maybe really liked or, you know, liked because you really hated? <laughs> Okay, no, I hated all of these. Here's the thing, like <laughs> even Joe Gacy, like for example, Joe Gacy, like I get it. Like I get 100% when he would be voted or put on there on the worst gimmick list, but at least he's trying something, right? There are some other characters that I just thought, oh my God, this is so boring that I don't even know what I'm supposed to do with this. So for me, if you're just extremely boring, that's where I'm out. So with that being said, I got to put Von Wagner on this list. <laughs> I have to put Duke Hudson. Everything Duke Hudson has tried on NXT 2.0 for me has been an absolute like boring nightmare. Zion Quinn has the most go away heat for me on the show. I'm Negative sorry. Charisma. Negative but, charisma. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I feel so bad saying that, but Jesus Christ. And Andre Chase, I have to put on here. And I know that some people like the Andre Chase character, but I, that is my, I'm not, I can't take this seriously. You can't expect me to take this seriously type of character. Yeah, that's that's exactly how I feel. I, look, he he's funny. He's been funny. Chase you in the in the whole Andre Chase thing, but I can't take that seriously. Have ring gear, yeah, I, have that, ring that, gear. That, that would be a little thing that would just help the character a bit. Yeah. Like just why are you I, wrestling in a sweater? I I find I find it weird because it's like an NXT there, and then they like in the later half of the year, it's like okay, well, giving people second jobs isn't working. Let's go back to just like okay, uh, Kaylee Ray changes her name to Alba Fire, and what's her gimmick? Well, I. I have a bat that's on fire. Oh, so you light people on fire? No, no, no. I just, I just talk about my ancestors. ancestors who used to light people fire. on fire. And then, and then you bring in, then you bring in what I think is going to be some guy who's really good at math. But then it turns out, no, no, no. He's actually a uh, mathematician luchador. And I'm like, oh, okay, weird. And then they're like, actually, and he's also really smart, like Goodwill Hunting smart. Like he's like that guy. And you're like. Okay, and he's wearing well, that mask. All right. Well, all right. well, don't forget, don't forget. We we nobody's mentioned it yet. We haven't mentioned Saray's uh, grandmother's magical pendant. Oh yeah, Sailor Moon. Yeah, Sailor Moon. Sailor yeah. Moon. <laughs> Sailor Moon. Right. We we haven't seen her in a while. I assume she's still floating around somewhere. But you can put that on the list too. Yeah, that's up there. I mean, I did not like. 
how they did Kushida dirty here in NXT. I mean, he could have been a big, way bigger deal in the world of WWE and stuff, but not only like just making him just basically there to get other people over, they put him in a tag team with Jiro, which I don't know if you could even explain. Jiro's gimmick is he just wears jackets all the time, which I guess is why they called it jacket time, which was the tag team. But it wasn't even the fact that these two were together because I kind of found them pretty funny, but just didn't make sense. They they would have their segments in the washroom. So I'm like, what does time machines and jackets have to do with you guys talking to each other at the pisser? It didn't make sense. Well, if you remember on the war game show last year, that's where they did those vignettes where where Jiro was in the men's room and he was making noises like he had diarrhea. And, And that was a segment that was written for Vince McMahon. I mean, that is exactly the kind of segment that he would look at and go, you know, that's his sense of humor. And I wouldn't be surprised if he I'm I'm shocked he didn't give him a fast track to the main roster for that. So that sucked. And it's weird because Kushida, if you remember, before they blew up NXT and it became 2.0, he was actually one of the strongest pushed talents on the show. They didn't beat him for months. He was like undefeated. And if I remember the timeline, correct, this this would have been actually, I think, the end of uh, the previous year, maybe the end of 2020. But it looked like they were grooming him for a title match with Finn Balor. Balor got hurt. And then it's almost like they just kept the undefeated streak going for a while, but they didn't really know what to do with him. I feel like that's the direction they were headed in. So there was that period of like, I don't know if it was six months or eight months where they were protecting him for something. I I didn't know what, but they were protecting him for something. Once they put him in the comedy tag team, he had no chance. So if he was ever going to get called up, it was going to be as part of a comedy team. He would have been one of the guys chasing after the 24-7 title. So him leaving was a foregone conclusion. I think there's a reason now where he doesn't he doesn't always like going back and talking about his, his time there. I think he also is disappointed that he didn't do more. Uh, so they, they saw something in him and protected him for a while. And then whatever the hell this was, uh, I guess that was the comedy relief. They saw him as comedy relief on the show. Yeah, which is too bad because he's an incredible talent that I, I great. It, it, great. it is kind of a what if because I, I was I remember he had that match with Walter on uh, NXT and I was like, OK, mm-hmm. wait, they're they're tr- they're going to be trusting this like that. Maybe there's something they could do with that. And they definitely uh, kind of let that uh, go through. They, we mentioned I'm trying to think of any other. Uh, well, I want to bring up because oh, yeah. I think he's quite polarizing. I know we're on different pages with him, but Grayson Waller, um, who mm-hmm. I think is. For a lot of people, has absolute go away heat. Um, I I get some enjoyment. I like that. I hate him. I I think he's very hateable, which is is good because I think quite often you have too many kind of cool heels in wrestling, and sometimes you just want to see a prick get smacked in the face. And he's got that for me. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not too big of a fan just because I think a lot of other characters that are similar do it like better just I'm, I'm not a i'm not a huge fan of the miz like i can I, I i get it and i understand and he's he's a great star and a great asset to have but he kind of reminds me of that and obviously the the bootleg miz joke that someone made about him and mjf and all that stuff but it does kind of feel like that for me it doesn't like he, he's he's now uh did a promo making fun of his own mom basically to try to get that heat so i'm like okay you're really reaching for it and his catchphrase is it's the grayson waller effect Oh, okay. So you, your Titantron says that your t-shirt says that, and your talk show is also called that. It's like, he doesn't really, nothing else really 
like kind of connects for me, but I could see him like being a good talker on the main roster. Almost like, I think you could pair him with the Miz. I think that would maybe make even more sense. I just feel like nothing uh, this past year since watching, I think the best thing that happened to him was the Gargano thing. And then since then, he's just been doing the same shtick week by week. It's, it's almost like a copy paste of just every bad guy in, in wrestling. So it's almost like the, like, well, we, I like MJF. Yeah, yeah, we have MJF at home. And that's what I, I kind of get out of Grayson Waller. But to give him like a, a good compliment, his T-shirt game is fantastic. He knows where to shop. Yeah, yeah, he knows where to shop and he knows how to look good on TV. So I got to give him the respect he deserves. I like Grayson Waller. I think there's a lot of potential there with him. I liked him from the very beginning. Uh, like I thought he had something. And then when they went this direction with him, I thought, you know what? It's working. Like you said, he's pissing people off. He gets under people's skin. I think he's like a better talker than a lot of the people on NXT 2.0. So personally, I, I like Grayson Waller. All right, Jason. Yeah, yeah I, I think he's, you know, verbally, I think he can talk. I think that's going to be an asset for him if they ever call him up to the main, which I assume they will. Otherwise, why are they keeping him around? So I think he'll he'll excel in that role. I, I agree. I think I could see them pairing him up with The Miz. The Miz has sort of become like they're doing it with Champa, right? And we've seen him paired off with other people. So I think Miz is that guy where if you don't have anything better for someone to do, but you want to pair him off with with someone who, you know, can talk and Miz is that guy. They're almost too similar, though. I don't know if, if that would work out well. Uh, but yeah, I've heard the same joke. Yeah, he's a wish version of, uh, version of the Miz. And if you watch his matches, though, he he's not bad. I mean, he's had some he's had some good matches. He's got that move where he dives into the ring and hits the you know the diving cutter, which is kind of unique. Uh, they obviously see something in him. They paired him off with AJ Styles. They had a little mini feud there for a while. They had a match on TV that was pretty good. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of indifferent, I guess, would be the best word to use. He's not my favorite, but he's not Joe Gacy. So <laughs> on the scale, he's kind of in the middle there where I think uh, he'll be a serviceable heel uh, at some point on the main roster. Another serviceable heel is Tony D'Angelo. I mean, we've kind of mentioned he's, it's very like the stereotypical mobster, move, like everything he says he's using from different, whether it's Sopranos or Goodfellas and Stacks and Two Dimes and all that stuff. But it feels very cartoony, even though, like we've mentioned, it's a real person, but he feels more cartoony than like a lot of the other like wrestlers. And when you first saw him wrestle, I was like, okay, like this guy could be good. He's going to be like the Italian Kurt Angle here hitting the sleep with the fisherman's buster driver thing. And then that's, that's it. He never like, he never got like Italian Kurt Angle. I'm trying to visualize this. Where'd you get Uh, that from? (laughs) Cause I feel like, like he's, he's got like the wrestling background and yeah, they tried to, they tried to show that. And then they, instantly went away from that and then he's just like what kidnapping lash legends producer putting him in the trunk possibly murdering two dimes or stacks or which one left i can't remember two but dimes, like yes. it's it always yeah it always gives me like a laugh because i'm like i do love my my mafioso movies but like i i don't know if i could ever see this guy being like pushed uh, taking taking it seriously like maybe like you said denise with with andre chase it's like yeah it's it's funny but like there's how, a ceiling yeah there's there's i'm gonna get real sick of this real quick and like i yeah i don't know i don't know how i feel about it i'm i'm in the middle of tony d'angelo here's the thing like tony d'angelo in the ring there's nothing to you know write home about whatsoever but i will say this 
When I was thinking back to my favorite storyline on NXT, one of the ones that instantly stood out was Santos Escobar and Tony D. I loved everything that they did with one another. And given like the limited skills that Tony D has in the ring, uh, I thought they did a really good job with that story where I was actually engaged. And given how long it lasted, like multi- like several months we were on this and they kept me engaged each and every each and every single week. So personally, like I may not be the biggest fan of Tony D'Angelo. And I know like when NXT 2.0, he was one of the most talked about uh, when it first started. He was one of the most talked about guys on social media, like aside from Braun Breaker. And personally, like I was not really interested. But given this one storyline that he did with Santos, I feel like I can't put him like as horrible because I like that storyline. But on top of that, it does have a shelf life. And I've been saying this from the very beginning. It has a shelf life. You're only going to care about this Tony D character for so long. Tony, yeah, D. I Steve agree. I, I agree. I agree on the shelf life uh, part of it. And also some of the worst segments of the year uh, were the segments that involved AJ Galante. Thankfully, he disappeared. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Yeah. Wow. I forgot about that guy completely. I don't know where they, pl- I guess he was on some reality show or something. I don't know where they plucked him from. And I, I, I read up on his background, but, but I mean, that segment where they did the dawn of NXT and he presented him with the ring. I, I saw a clip of that recently. Horrible. Horrible. He was tripping over himself. He looked like he was nervous as all hell. I'm like, what, what do you got to be nervous about here? Right. You got to play the part. So those segments were were terrible. Now, if I remember, I think Legato, didn't they, did they off him? Did they throw him in the truck too and drive kidnapped him off? Kidnapped him. Yeah. They did kidnap the him. Truck. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully he's he stays kidnapped. Uh, <laughs> I thought those were those were some of the worst segments. Yeah, Tony D'Angelo, again, I, I feel the same way. His his in-ring work is is okay. Uh, he, I don't, for some reason, his early matches impressed me more. Where yeah, exactly. Yeah. He was, I know he's got the amateur background, so maybe that was part of it. Or did he, re- maybe he wrestled collegiately or, or in high school, whatever it was. So you can see like he's, he, he, he's got the moves, like he can work. And then because he went so deep into gimmickville and there was such an emphasis on the gimmick, there's less of an emphasis on the in-ring work. I don't, I feel like we haven't seen as much of that recently. Um, he'll get the call up. It's got a short shelf life. He'll have to, he'll have to evolve it. If he can't evolve it, as they say, though, those who don't evolve, they die. And so that'll, that'll be what ends up happening to him. Hopefully not though. Yeah, so I agree. Don't bring back. What's his name? AJ Galante. Is that <laughs> his don't. name? Yeah. Don't bring him back. Please don't. Please. I did like that storyline though, with Tony D and Santos. I think Santos is someone that could be a, a pretty big star and, and, and same with Legato just as a whole unit. I think the three of them are just so good and they've been killing it. Not only with the, the matches for NXT way before the 2.0, but the like the character work Santos comes across like he's not trying to be cool because I feel like he's kind of he just he is cool. that cool yeah. right and I feel like that that's something that not a lot of wrestlers can obtain so I do think there's something for him in the like main roster just saying yeah, Alexa Lopez very... business goes up eighteen percent right yeah what was it <laughs> the, the yeah the, once Electra started working for Tony business went up I don't know what the business was no, like, mafia well, business. all. This is a very horny show, so you can only imagine yeah. what the business was. But the uh, one thing I was really happy to see them do when he lost, when Santos lost and he was banished. And I said, OK, obviously he'll be on the main roster soon. But I really was bummed because I wanted them to keep Legato together and it didn't look like they were going to do that. And then they came back a couple of weeks later with that segment where he pulls up in the parking lot and he says, get in. And I was so happy because you want to call them up, I think, as a unit. And it looks yeah. like that's that's what they're doing. Now, I don't think Electra Lopez is is by any stretch ready 
to be on the main roster in the ring. If they want to call her up as, you know, a valet, like a Scarlet or somebody like that, I think she would do fine. Uh, if they have, you know, ambitions of her being a wrestler, then I think she probably should stay behind. But I'm glad that it looks like they're at least going to keep Legato together once they uh, debut them on the main roster. Because Legato was a, was a definite highlight of 2.0. Again, they were they were a whole thing in wrestling on NXT way before this change in this past year. But they were if you put guys in a match with them, like you get a, a sweet little match. And the story was always like uh, progressing of whatever it was. It felt like that story was for the better half of the year with Tony D and Legato time, and stuff. Yeah. But yeah. I felt like those those guys like everything hit for me. So I'm like, oh, this should be a, a main act like in wrestling. Like you could put these three up against anyone, uh, any trio, and it would it would. It would bang. It would be a match that everyone would be talking about. Yeah, and I've been following uh, Santos since the Lucha Underground days. That's that's yeah. when I first started watching him. He was King Cuerno under a mask. And there were stories even then when things started to kind of go south with Lucha Underground. He was trying to get out of his contract, and he couldn't. And he wanted to go to WWE. This is going back probably six or seven years. So I'm hoping sooner than later he'll get his shot You know, on the main roster. I know it's something that he's been waiting for for a long time. And he's fantastic You know, in the ring. Uh, he can go with anybody. Uh, another thing that NXT did this year that I felt like they didn't really do in the past few years was like more main roster, like integration. Obviously, Braun Breaker uh, losing to Dolph Ziggler and then losing to Dolph, Dolph Ziggler again, but then beating Dolph on Raw when no one really seemed to really like know or care what was going on. At least they were like trying to do that. And then just recently, we've seen like Ricochet come in and have a pretty awesome match with Carmelo Hayes. So it definitely feels Natalia like before. Natalia came in. Oh, uh, the Viking Raiders versus the Creeds actually was all also very awesome. So I, I did like the fact that they're treating this like, oh, look, like, hey, just saying NXT exists and tune in tomorrow night on Raw was something they weren't doing like a year or two ago. So that that is like a plus. Like, hey, you own all of this. Why wouldn't you like you know, move some chess pieces around. It makes total sense. I, I wasn't a fan of the Ziggler stuff, but I was a fan of like all the other stars coming and going. And they had to because they got rid of a lot of the experienced talent when they blew up the brand and a lot of them either left or got released. So what do you do? You make up for that by calling down AJ Styles or Dolph Ziggler, or Bobby Roode, you know, do drop in Nikki, Nikki Ash. I mean, whoever it may be. You need that veteran presence on the show. That's why I wasn't such a big fan of, of, you know, what they did and how drastic the change was. And it was only a matter of time before they said, okay, we, we need more experienced talents on the show to work with these guys. I'll tell you though, AJ Styles appearing on NXT 2.0 wasn't on my bucket list whatsoever. <laughs> like I did not see that on my bingo card whatsoever. Um, but I will say this though, I do think that's a good thing that they're actually, you know, in, trying to make it like feel a little extra special by bringing in those main roster stars. Uh, I did think it helped out a certain portions. I again, I agree with you too. I was not a fan of the Dolph Ziggler stuff. I think that took away more from uh, Braun Breaker than I did add to him. Um, so aside from that, I thought everything else was perfectly fine. Yeah, I I, I would like to see more uh, other main roster people come and go with the like, again, the Ricochet stuff. I was like, hey, that's pretty cool. The Viking Raider stuff is pretty good. I but. did feel when when you saw AEW doing their forbidden door stuff, yeah. you go, WWE has been able to do this. For, like they've had Walter under contract for so long and there's no reason why you can't do these dream matches within your own yeah. system. 
so it's I, I hope they do more of that moving forward. And as you said, they kind of need to as well because they don't have the veterans down there. Yeah, I'd be interested to know if like they incorporate NXT some way with like an upcoming like Survivor Series or something like that. We've talked on the show, maybe Triple H brings war games to Survivor Series as like the big spectacle instead of just doing Raw versus SmackDown again for the nine millionth time. But I just don't know if like developmental is would be strong enough. But that's what a lot of people said last year when NXT 2.0 really kicked off with black and gold team versus 2.0 team and which like those guys, it was sink or swim. And I think for the most part, you looked at that match and went, hey, all these guys, one of the more memorable matches of the last year. I'd say, yeah, I'd say, say. yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, I, I think I had that just jotted down. I think that's my uh, favorite of all the matches since the kickoff of the 2.0 era. I think it's the best one was the War Games match where they had the the old crew against the new crew. Yeah, I think that is the, probably my favorite. That's the most memorable. It, it easily came to mind when thinking, okay, what matches from 2.0 like stood out? That one for sure, because it did have the story of like the new versus the old. And it just it was really easy to do and, and it works. I don't know what that says, though, because I'm like dying over here that we all had the same match on there. Like either it's because I was like, it doesn't it was fine. Right. But like, if you think about it, how is that one of like the most memorable ones (laughs) for like everybody on here? It's funny, actually. But uh, yeah, I completely agree with you guys on this War Games match. It was definitely something that was like. I don't know. It's just so weird, like to see like the fact that we were closing out on this, you know, the team black and gold and the new team 2.0. But I did like the way that they executed it all. I liked uh, also other 2.0 matches. I know uh, Riddle was the shaman for MSK. I had that the 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 six man MSK Riddle versus Imperium. Yeah, that was was awesome. Uh, I know I mentioned my favorite Von Wagner and Kyle O'Reilly teaming up, but again, I think it was one of the first specials they did was it war games it may have been it was war games yeah no imperium yeah Yeah, it's funny because again i'm not the biggest von wagner fan but i if i had to pick a number two match it might be that match from the war game special and then another one is uh carmelo hayes and roderick strong when they unified the rest in peace the cruiserweight title thanks 2.0 but yet he unified that with the north american title i thought that was pretty good too actually a lot of the carmelo title matches or defenses are, were pretty great. Even the Ricochet one uh, as of late was great. So does that make Solo Sokoa in a way the Cruiserweight champion? He, I guess so. Yeah. I I, I mean, the just title's the been I, defunct. Yeah. I, I mean, I just, throw, I just throw that out there in a way, in a way, right? It was yeah. absorbed and now he holds it. So <laughs> that means Mandy Rose will forever be the UK champion. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> I, I did enjoy the, uh, and it feels like not really a 2.0 match because of the talents, but um, Dolph Ziggler versus Tommaso Ciampa, I really enjoyed okay. uh, earlier in the year when they had that match. Um, a bunch of Imperium stuff like that. Uh, Giovanni Vinci as well. I think he's someone who the the character could have been ridiculous. And I think he made it really work. And I think he's really stood out in those singles matches. I quite enjoyed the one with Apollo. Is he on the main roster now? Is he just gone? Main roster now. Yeah, they, they, they've reunited main roster. Imperium, which they, they yeah. should have brought them up altogether anyway. Yeah. So that's another mistake that Triple H thankfully has corrected. Um, but to go back to that War Games match, the uh, Imperium against Von Wagner and uh, Kyle O'Reilly, you know, Fabian Eichner was the standout in that match. I remember that match specifically stands out to me because of him and I've been impressed with him since I first saw him in the Cruiserweight Classic. He didn't look oh, yeah. like a Cruiserweight, but the way he was flying around and the things he can do, and he's he's a very strong guy, uh, I was very happy to see him 
reunite with uh, Walter and with uh, Kaiser on the main roster. So yeah, that, that, yeah, that that stood out to me in that match more than anything else. He's been a secret weapon in NXT for quite a while. Like oh, yeah. he's been he's been awesome. Even that cruiserweight classic for sure. And I just like that he the entrance that he did was pretty funny with the posing, the Johnny Sins. Hey, I I love that. Uh, I'm I'm trying to. Th- those are all like we've just kind of picked out some some good matches. Cora Jade Natalia sticks out. Cora Jade. I liked. Was it like last week? Mako. Uh, Mako, yeah, and, and uh, Roxanne. Oh, yeah, actually, yeah, that was really good. Really enjoyed that. Yeah. I'll tell you a match I absolutely hated, though. I think it's up there. For like, I think my match of the year in my head is Ishii versus Evil, just because Ishii is a worst oh, match of the year. Worst match of the year. Sorry, worst uh, yeah, match I was gonna year. say, oh my god, are you picking <laughs> yeah. an Evil no, no, match no, no, the best match of the year? What's wrong with like, you? Like, and and I, and I feel like Ishii Evil was so bad, and it's just because I love Ishii so much that it made me just it hurt me, like it broke my heart that Ishii had to stoop that low. So I probably still would pick that because it's not fair to pick someone like Lash Legend who's like so new at this. You can't really compare, but. I was just like, like I wanted to turn the TV off after watching Lash Legend versus Indy Hartwell, oh, which boy. is a shame because I love Indy Hartwell. I think she's amazing, but that was rough. That right word. That was the right. It word, was but, bad. It was yeah. bad. And here's the thing. Like, I feel bad for Indy, but she, I see her more as a character than I do a wrestler. Like in wrestling wise, like I don't feel like there's anything really there that we've seen recently. And so I see her more as a character. But that match with Lash Legend. Oh, that was brutal. That was very brutal. Like it well, comes to match. mind. Yeah. What, what about yeah, you, Jason? Yeah, I'm just going to say uh, I hate to pick, keep picking on Lash Legend here, but uh, <laughs> there was a match that was I, I think it was either on NXT or maybe it was on the Level Up show that they have now. But it was Lash Legend and Saray. Oh, and yeah. it was it was so bad that even in edited form, apparently we didn't even see the worst version of this match. The version that we got was bad enough, but I guess it was worse. Uh, And it was just, it was dreadful. And when I heard about this, I said, I have to watch this because normally I wouldn't watch that show. (laughs) And then I regretted the fact that I had watched it. We did that too. (laughs) We did that too. (laughs) I feel like I wasn't the only one. So I said, I got to see this. Uh, And again, she's, she's very new at this. As a character, it's weird with her because as a character, you can see there's there's a charisma there. And now I guess they have her with Pretty Deadly, which is kind of an odd pairing, but maybe that'll work out, you know, better for her. But man, that was uh, that was rough. I felt bad for Saray in that match. I'm not liking that pairing right now. It's nothing to like. Be. It's like weird. Fallon Henley instantly. We were like, okay, yeah, this makes sense. This is working with her and you know those guys. But I don't feel the same way about Lash Legend and Pretty Deadly. Pretty yes, Deadly boy. are unique enough on their own, and they got their own vibe going that they don't need like anybody else really. Yeah, I mean, those two are, are characters that I've really loved. I, I'm not too high on their wrestling, but they definitely entertain me from beginning to end on any on any segment. Obviously, having Yes Boy as a catchphrase is really easy to get over. The so hair blowing. The hair motion. blowing in slow motion really does it for me. And their outfits. Uh, the I love. Top. They're not even yeah. crop tops. I don't even know what they are. What, what are, are those called? In? Yeah, my favorite thing as of late is sending pictures of Pretty Deadly to friends. Just randomly text friends who don't even watch wrestling and just text them pictures of Pretty Deadly. And it. They're like, what? What is this? Who are these people? Uh, what are they wearing? It's really fun. Try it sometime. Well, we had a similar tag team many years ago when, when I was still a kid watching wrestling, the Beverly Brothers. Oh, and yeah. It kind of remind me of them a little bit. It's just one of these obnoxious teams. You just look at them and they you just want to boo them. So it, it kind of it just works for them. Over over a year of NXT 2.0, and I mean, I can't believe you got me to do a round, round show about this, covering this, because I felt like this past year of watching it, 
if it's been like ups and downs because I really there's times where we've watched NXT and we do shows on it and we're like, man, like NXT's in the mud. It's done. Like it's over. It's this is this can never bounce back. But after discussing this for the past like hour, it's like, okay, there is some some diamonds in the rough there. There's some good stuff. And uh, I'm feeling more positive about the future of 2.0. It's probably just because they painted black and gold on it last night. But (laughs) what what do you guys want to see like in the next year? Like we're we're going back to just NXT. We're going back to black and gold. Uh, What kind of elements do you want to maybe see them them keep from this 2.0? What do you want to see them do more of? Uh, Like how would this how would this work as a successful developmental and entertaining TV show, uh, Denise? Mine's is very simple. Two things. From the old NXT, please just level up the quality of the matches that we're seeing. I just want to see better quality matches consistently, okay? Not just like one every now and then. No, like I want to see just more better wrestling on the shows. Um, The thing that I do want them to keep from NXT 2.0 is all of the vignettes that they're doing, you know, just you know, trying to think outside of the box a little bit. Maybe don't go so heavy on the characters and like you mentioned, having the second job type of stuff. But I do like some of the vignettes that they've done. I think they've been pretty well. So I just want to see better wrestling and then just keep the stories going. Going. Keep some good stories going. Don't keep it like so bland. So, yeah, there is some stuff that I would like from both of them to, you know, merge together into this new version. What about you, Jason? One of the critiques that I had and, and after the last five seconds of the show last night, I'm hoping maybe that, that this will be one of the things they fix. I still think the show is too bright. One of the things I liked about the old NXT is that visually it didn't look exactly like the main roster. There was at least a, it had a look and a feel to it that made it feel different. And so I'd like for this show to feel a little bit different. Right now, it doesn't. Uh, also, I've been yelled at all all morning long because I tweeted, oh, you're black and gold. And I had all these people. It's not black and gold. It's black and white. If you look at the logo, it's black and white. So just to clarify, yes, the, the, the logo, it looks more black and white. It actually kind of reminds me. I wonder if they've effectively taken kind of the NXT UK logo and maybe it's like a merging of the two. Maybe that was the idea behind it. Um, but one thing I, I think is a must. If they are going to incorporate elements of the old uh, uh, black and gold, and I don't believe they're going back to the black and gold. Let me just say that. Just because they showed the newer logo with the older colors, it doesn't mean that everything is is going back to the way it was. But I want to see them get out of the PC more often. I think if you're going to have at least for the big shows, because it, it just completely kills the vibe. I know they don't call them takeover anymore, but whatever names they give to their big shows, the fact that every single event, except whatever they did WrestleMania weekend, but every single show is in that same building in front of those same people. They've got to get out more often, at least for the bigger shows, because I think it's just going to make it feel like a bigger deal. It's a different vibe in front of different people. So if there's one element of the old NXT that I want them to bring back, it's that. Get the hell out of there a little bit more often and hopefully a little more synergy with the main roster. I feel a lot more comfortable now like I can breathe as a fan I could take a deep breath now that Vince McMahon is gone Triple H has taken over uh that these you know men and women are going to have a better chance but we mentioned index uh, very briefly earlier that was actually one of my favorite segments of the entire year was the whole index wedding and him with the hatchet and everything else one thing I love that they did they tied up the loose end with Dexter Loomis and Indy Hartwell you know whatever it was a month ago maybe when they had him show up on NXT and reunite with her and he gave her the, the letter and then he got arrested and he got taken away. 
So that was nice. I'd like to see them maybe again, a little more synergy between the two. We're probably going to have that now. Solo Sokoa, I think is going to be going back and forth. I would imagine between SmackDown and NXT, but just if you're going to build up a character and a gimmick on this show, don't call them up to the main roster and immediately destroy it and just eliminate it. I know they're trying things. It's it's basically like, you know, a, a painter with his palette and he's just trying to paint different pictures, but it's on television. People watch the show. They want to invest in these characters. Don't call somebody up and just completely abandon it and pretend like it didn't exist. I want a little more consistency there. And then I think I'll be happy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Not too much to make... ask. Not no, too much no, to ask. but I think you make a lot of good points. I, I, I also hate the brightness of it. I, I like the kind of grungy, more adult feel that it used to have. I also like just having the light on the ring, like focusing on the wrestling. Mm -hmm. I think when you're in a studio and you've only got a couple of hundred people in there, I don't want to see that it looks like there's not many people there. You turn them on. I don't, I don't need to see the fans. Sure, if you're in a big sold-out stadium, light them up. But when it's that intimate setting, I think it works just having the focus on the ring. And I, I want to mention one other thing. I just thought of it, and maybe this could actually work for for Solo Sokoa since they call him a street fighter. One thing I miss ever since Timothy Thatcher, you know, got released, they had that fight pit match. Oh, miss a I fight! Yeah, really enjoyed that gimmick, and they only did a couple of them. I think the last one they did was him and Riddle, and then he I, again he got released, and they haven't done one since. We we never saw one under uh, 2.0. I don't even care if it's 2.0 or the main roster. I would just like to see them bring that gimmick back. It, it was uh, one of those rare instances where they tried something new and it just, I think it just clicked. So maybe they use it for someone like Solo. Maybe there's a, a really hot feud and they just want to kind of bust it out one more time. Uh, I'd like to see them dust it off and, and bring that back at some point. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think. I feel like they did most of it during the pandemic. Where, they did, yeah. Yeah, and I think maybe that's the issue. It's having a crowd like, well, I, 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 I vaguely, I could be wrong. I want to say the last one may have been in front of a crowd too. Okay. The, the very last Maybe. one they did. But uh, yeah, I, I would love to see them find a way to bring that back. Yeah. Bring back Poppy. Bring oh, back Poppy. Of course. <laughs> I do. I do. Like we had Ollie J instead. Yeah. Oh, we can't forget oh, Ollie J. The greatest <laughs> performance in wrestling history. I actually love the NXT 2.0 theme song uh, to kind of, I, I love uh, that they've, use the Wale song, but the sample and, and the track, like it's something I put on. Uh, I, I get hyped when I hear it. Cause you know, I, when I think wrestling music, of course we all think, you know, Limp Biscuit and rock music and triple H and motorhead and all that yeah. stuff. So it can be, it can be cool and fun to kind of not just be in that realm. I do like, you know, other types of music. So it is cool that they kind of, you know, change that, change that up and stuff. I think it works really well. Just don't use that Ollie J song uh, again that they did use last night. <laughs> That one was not the greatest moment. I feel like that made me feel like I could be pursue a career and becoming a singer. I'm like, if this is the bar to me and you get on yeah. television, I think I might have some hope now. It wasn't very good, was it? Yeah. No. <laughs> well, I think we should maybe wrap it up there. Yeah. But any kind of final words or thoughts as we 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 do have a tradition here at, at up next where where it's the someone moves on. We, we pour one out. We so it's time out. to pour one out for 2.0. Yeah. Why? Because they're over. Because it's done. It's done. <laughs> uh, you think they're going to not use 2.0 now as a name? I think they'll just it's call just it NXT, just NXT. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah I, I so. assume so. Yeah. When, the, when the logo morphed, the 2.0 mm -hmm. was out of the picture. So, so. yeah, we got to pour one out for 2.0. It, it's 2. been a hell of a year. Some great 
developmental pro wrestling. Uh, any final thoughts from from you two? I mean, this was uh, so much fun. We we talk about NXT every week on, on Up Next. It's kind of been our weird niche thing that we just love to to follow, and we followed it through the dark times of 2.0. But uh, this was so much fun to talk to to both of you and hear different perspectives and and everything. So, I mean, uh, let us know or let the people know where they can can find you. Anything you've got going on? Like the floor is yours. And any final thoughts? I'll, I'll go to 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 you, Jason. Uh, well, look, I appreciate it. This this was uh, a lot of fun. It's I don't find watching NXT to be as fun as it used to be. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, it used to be my favorite show of the week, and now it's it feels like just another yeah. show. But uh, you try to find the good with the bad, I guess. But yeah, no, I I, I review it on my main podcast, which uh, is an audio show every Sunday. November will be 15 years. Wow. Crazy that I've been Bravo. doing the show, but. Uh, thank you. So you can download it's uh, Solomonster sounds off on all the usual podcast platforms. And then there's the YouTube channel. And I go live every Monday, Wednesday, Friday and every pay-per-view. I'm basically live most of the days of my life. So that's pretty much there's so much wrestling. I'll be live tonight for Dynamite. So uh, that's where you can find me. Never enough wrestling. Right, Denise? Never enough. Exactly. Uh, you can catch if you want to talk more NXT 2. Well, I guess I don't, I'm re- real weird saying NXT 2.0 because now we're going back to NXT. It's dead. Um, thank God, by the way, because I'm so glad the 2.0 is out. I just think it just added like a negative view towards the brand, etc. Didn't help. It didn't help um, either way. But uh, I'm live on F4W three times a week, Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Fridays. Tuesdays, obviously the day that I'm talking about uh, NXT. So other than that, Twitter and Instagram at underscore Denise Salcedo, YouTube dot com slash Denise Salcedo. And of, and of course, everyone listening to us, you can check us out up next on YouTube, Twitch and uh, at up next podcast on Twitter and all that stuff. Uh, we'll be having a bunch of what, what do we got going on? Well, yeah, I just wanted to ask, uh, will either of you be going to Grand Slam next week? No, I'm not going to be there. I, I will be there. Yes, this is going to be my my first uh, AW event. Whoa. Pro- well, proper. Not my first event. My first event proper since the first double or nothing. I was on the Jericho cruise a couple of years ago when they did. Uh, they taped an episode of Dynamite and I haven't been to any show since. So uh, this is going to be uh, interesting right in my backyard. Well, hopefully, hopefully can catch you up, uh, catch you there. Um, we are hosting a, a pre-drink before uh, Grand Slam at the Cheap Shots Bar in Queens. So if you're around, drop in there uh, from 3 p.m. till 7 before Grand Slam. Um, but yeah, and we've got a bunch more shows coming out. We're talking all about the best matches from NXT UK. Yeah, I mean, look, we lo- the, the UK has been hit hard. We lost the Queen and NXT UK. So we're chatting all about the best matches from NXT UK history. We're, we're recording that later today. That'll be it on our Patreon this week. And uh, for any Toronto area fans, for the, the week in October, early October, we're also doing some pre and post parties. Uh, so just follow our socials for all the, the fun stuff because we're, we're excited that wrestling uh, is back in full force. And we're so excited to go to the shows and to talk to... You find lovely people. Uh, so, man, this was a, a blast. Jason and Denise, thank you so much. We appreciate this. Thank you, guys. So, so much. I, I really enjoyed this chat, and hopefully we can do something again soon. But thank you so much for joining. And everyone listening and watching us on the, the Twitch and the YouTube and all that stuff, it was a ton of fun. So long live NXT. All right.
Bye. Are you not going to do oh, yeah. the sign out? Yeah, I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I myself, Braden Harrington. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram at the Brady, and you can find me at Davy Portman. That's it. That's all. Take care. Goodbye. Be safe. And NXT is not dead. Ahoy! Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.